Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. On this edition of the Big East Rewind, Sonny and I talk with Seth Greenberg from ESPN. Seth talks to us all about his coaching career in the Big East with Pittsburgh, and his head coaching jobs at Long Beach State and Virginia Tech. He talks about his relationship with his players that even to this day, they get together on Zoom calls and he, he keeps in touch with all of his ex-players. You're really going to like this one. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Big East Rewind. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Big East Rewind. I'm Chuck Everson, your host, and as always, my co-host, my point guard, Sonny Spira from... Syracuse University. How are you, Sonny? I'm great, Chuck. I'm great, Chuck. I am very excited because in the first 30 seconds when Coach hopped on, <laughs> he immediately jumped on the Shrine joke. I, lo I, I know. Love him. I, I love know. him more than I loved him yesterday. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, back you know, when, when we were playing, you know, he was he was always around. And I'm going to ask him about it. He was, he was on the recruiting trail 24-7. And every time you turn around, Coach Greenberg was there. All the guys say that, and uh, all his players that we've had on Sunny love this guy. So love let me him. let me let me introduce him so we can get rolling because this is going to be fun today. Um, so this guy's been in the game for a long, long time as an assistant coach with Pittsburgh, amongst others. He was also at Virginia, former head coach of Long Beach State and Virginia Tech. Uh, now he's an ESPN college basketball analyst. The self-proclaimed pizza expert, Sonny. Self-proclaimed oh, pizza expert. And the pride of Plainview, Plainview, Long Island. My main man, Seth Greenberg. How are you, coach? What's up, guys? Doing great. Doing great. I mean, I'm with two illustrious Hall of Famer types. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. an immovable object back nice. in uh, the day at Villanova and a swift svelte dropping dimes guard at Syracuse. It doesn't get any better than this. doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> and I, I like, went to Harvard like on a Hackensack. I'm just honored that you guys would have me on. Well, you know, hey. we're, we have a, we're a little bit of a kindred spirit coach because first of all, we share the same birthday, which I thought was kind of cool. And second of all, we're both pizza experts. So I have to know it's, it's obvious it's Brooklyn or Long Island pizza, right? It's not anything yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, it's a thin crust. Burnt on the bottom, crispy in the edges of the, uh, of the uh, and, and okay. Brooklyn, anywhere in New York. Like I get people say, like, where's the best pizza in New York? Any freaking street corner. <laughs> I mean, like, I, if I you can't get a good piece of pizza in New York, then literally, you're like, it's it's a joke. I mean, even the place that says a piece of pizza and a Coke for three dollars, it's not going to be bad. Right. You can understand. I lived in Blacksburg, Virginia. I mean, I can appreciate a good piece of pizza now. Yeah. Yep. Sonny with his Italian heritage, I think you would agree, right, Sonny? You've been oh, out yeah. here. Oh yeah. My folks are from Staten Island. So we spent many days in the city and it's it is the best pie. There you go. All right. Well, that was easy to figure out. That was real easy. So 
Um, hey, Seth, talk to us about, you know, you played on Long Island. First of all, I, I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure until we did our due diligence that you were a Long Island guy. And then to find out that you were all all Nassau County with your teammate, Mark Ivoroni, who won a, an NBA championship with the Sixers, right? Talk about. Uh, yeah. Uh, and my brother, Brad, who's and actually Brad, coaching yeah. tonight in. Uh, well, this will probably be. Uh, sent out later, but uh, who's coaching in the Puerto Rican Superior League for a championship tonight. He's 0-2. Oh, wow. uh, he uh, is coaching Guanabo. He's playing Arecibo. But, uh, yeah, we grew up in uh, Boarding Queens, grew up in Plainview, Long Island, and uh, you know, it was a great place to grow up. I mean, when, when we moved into Plainview, obviously I was very small, but, I mean, there was nothing really past us but a bunch of potato fields. But Long Island basketball has a great, great history. In fact, I, I, I talk all the time, and people talk about the Big East and St. John's. Back in the day, Long Island produced a lot of great players. Obviously, Long Island Lutheran was terrific. If you get yeah. one out on, obviously, the Suffolk County, I mean, Jimmy Valvano built uh, the Iona program with Vickers and Ruland and all yeah, those really. great players out on, on the island. You got the, you know, the alphabet man, Tom Abbott and Marco back in the day, who's now back at Iona as an assistant coach. Uh, you know, you've got a cast of Jimmy Valvano, who, whose dad used to ref my games Rocco wow. Valvano used to give me teas all the time. He was brutal. He was brutal. Uh, in fact, when Jimmy was recruiting my brother, when he was an assistant at Connecticut, uh, he was supposed to do a home visit with us. My mom threw him out of the house about one o'clock in the morning. He just wouldn't stop. But he went to the Nets championship game when they were playing against Denver. John Roche was running in like running one handers and Bobby Jones was getting tortured by Dr. J. So uh, Long Island basketball has a rich tradition. I think Long Island basketball, if it can get back to where it was, will help the St. John's and it will help the local areas. And as you know, Daddy Mass made a lot of money on Long Island because Kenny Gableman brought all those campers down to Daddy Mass's camp. Yep. Uh, that was like right a haven that. for the Rolling Massimino basketball camp. Yeah, you're right oh, about so, that. Those so you guys got the Long Island connection. Coach, you and I got the point guard connection. So Chuck has been bringing these big guys on the show between Ewing and Pinckney and and Wennington, it's just he's just trying to flood it. And then he had the, your boys from Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, it's just like he's just trying to prove that us point guards didn't really have the smarts. Now, you could jump in at any time and and and, and stick with me on this one. I, I didn't say the okay. point guards didn't have the smarts, Sonny. You stick know, with me I, on this all one. I'm saying is the big guys don't get a shot at the head uh, coaching jobs. It's all point guards and catchers in baseball. That's all. Coach, you got a violin near you? You got one right next to you? I mean, Pat Ewing's head coach right now at, at right. Alma Mater. I mean, there are a couple of dudes that have got jobs, but <laughs> here's the deal. You big guys got to understand it. You should fetch it, set good screens, and when available, we will get you the ball. Yeah. <laughs> that's, wow. I mean, that's a perfect formula. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like, first of all, and here's the other thing. Uh, you know, the game has changed. Now, all you big yeah. guys, all you want, everyone's got to be positionless. Like if you're seven, one, two sixty, I mean, like you're too positionless. You're so big. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> if you're a seven footer, you got to shoot threes, Caleb Holmgren, you know, the, the, I mean, uh, Clint Holmgren, the, the, the kid from, from Gonzaga and he stepped, he's 190 pounds, right? 190 pounds. So, I mean, uh, but you know, look, I mean, there is a place. I actually think there's a place right now. We're not doing a good job of getting guys to ball in the block and guys don't want to play down there. You're better off posting up guards like Luke Arneseca did with Mark Jackson. Yeah. You, you know, there's not a lot of good footwork from some of those guys either because they don't play down there. The kid, yeah. uh, the kid that played the other night at, at Duke, the freshman uh, had some. Terrific, yeah, man. He, he's he good. had the best feet I've seen in a long, long he's time. He's good. 
He's good. You know, he's, he's, he's really good. Something special, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's a hybrid. I mean, you know, he, like I, I actually at halftime, one of the things I, I, I talked about is I think they needed to play him more in that mid post. You know, he, he's almost like a little kid on Christmas. He can play off the bounce. And he can play facing up and he can shoot a three. But he's impossible to guard like in that mid post area or in the elbow yeah. area where he can rip it and go. And, he, you know, he can be a facilitator from there. But he's a tough match. Paulo Pancaro is a, a unique, unique talent. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love this uh, old, old, old school jab step. I mean, he jab step, jab step, fake, you know, and then went did whatever he wanted to. You're right. You know, their team is really good. I mean, the guard, I'll tell you the coolest thing, and you guys can relate to this. Uh, you know, watch the NBA playoffs last year in the garden was hopping. It was, you know, it was kind of almost invigorating with everything that's gone on in the world. You know, you think about the things you take for granted mm-hmm. and then when it's taken away from you, you appreciate it that much more. And then, so, you know, watching the start of the season, the first Nick game against the Celtics, double overtime. I mean, it, the garden was electric, but I, I didn't experience it. Tuesday night, you could feel the season. Like for as a college basketball guy, walking on the court, taking a seat down at, at our set, looking around, you know, watching these games and, 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 the, and, the, and the, basically the passion, the energy that, that was created from people in the crowd, but listening to the Kentucky fans going, go big blue and the Duke fans going, let's go Duke. And just everything that surrounded uh, the game, it was almost like a breath of fresh air. Like, wait a second here. We're not to the end yet, but at least we're making progress. It was probably as normal of a, a basketball experience I've had in, in 18 months. Yeah, Coach. Since you mentioned your brother, I want I want to go back because we did a little little research and we're checking on. I want to hear about the Greenberg Gardens and the, the yeah, duels. Yeah, my, my that brother. Occurred. Yeah, the duels. I didn't win very many of those, but when I did, then he just <laughs> threw me into the fence. Uh, my brother was a great player. I mean, he got recruited. He visited Syracuse. Uh, in fact, Roy Danforth and Jimmy came into the house for a home visit. This is before the Big East. Jimmy pulled out the schedule, and they just basically said, "All right, like, yeah, we're going to play all game. That's the win, New Hampshire. That's the win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, 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 we're seventeen and five, and you know, we're in the NIT. You know, and it's you know, and and I mean, Coach Beheim has become a dear for my daughter's a Syracuse Law School graduate, but uh, growing up in Plainview, my dad played for LIU to Great Clear B. Uh, Coach B used to actually come visit us every couple of years, which was an amazing experience for all of us. And then that kind of was one of the things that got me into coaching is just seeing the impact he had on my dad. Because, uh, he, you know, those were the great, great days of New York City, playing in the garden, LIU, NYU, uh, even CCM. I mean, it was, you know, way back in the day. But so in the starter house, we had a little, uh, we, we had a, my dad put in a uh, dugout, put a little slab of uh, asphalt, had a real, basket all the way in the ground out one of those roll around things on one side was the spinner's house they had a fence all right but uh so if you drove left you could actually bounce off the fence and get a little momentum it's some height. all right and, and 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 kind of get to the rim you know the court wasn't that wide if you went right and you got bumped you were right into the side of the wall of the house I and mean, which was cement and and just got the crap beat out of your arm and the blood everywhere and everything uh so brad and i i mean we as a team we were i think we only lost once in the history of our lives in a two-on-two game uh, we have inside handcuffs middle ball screens <laughs> throw it down I mean, he made every shot but when when we would play and we we'd be had a, had a had a light which was above the window of my 
parents' uh, bedroom, which my mom, when she was trying to get us in, she'd open up the window. Then, of course, we had to throw the ball up there, and she had to get a shot. And she had she was almost like Garf. She had to make a shot before she would close the window. <laughs> and leave us. But so, like, if, if I was ever fairly close, the games were always physical, to say the least. And we were out there. We'd you know shove, shovel the snow, and we were right back out there. But if I was ever any any close, and if I if I and I was more of kind of a drive it, Brad Brad just made every shot. I mean, I I was I was into the wall. There was no doubt about it. I mean, my my shoulder probably is maimed for life for every right hand drive I made when I was leading where I thought I might win. There was no freaking way I was getting a shot up. You Are you know, guys so still the, competitive like that to this day, Seth? No, we're really uh, actually where I'm fiercely competitive, not with each other. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I get my competition, you know, obviously in coaching, I was fiercely, fiercely competitive, almost right. maybe competitive to nauseam. But I mean, you know, I just that's what how I wanted my teams to play. And I, yeah, I used to say like head coach can never have a bad practice. And why should I expect my guys to be committed and play with passion and play with energy and be if I'm not that every day, you know, I mean, like, you know, like the first day you give into that, you give in. Like I, I the only son I had in my, uh, in my practice facility at Virginia Tech was the hardest playing, toughest team finds a way to win. The day you're not that team is the day you give in. But uh, the only time I, yeah, I'm competitive in golf, uh, I like, you know, I mean, that's kind of my, you know, my competitive release. It's, you know, when you're on TV, as opposed to preparing your team for play, like even winning and losing, you miss, you know, the competition is what I really miss. Yeah. So, but in golf, you know, you can, you can get that and talk a little smack and uh, you know, not that I'm all that good, but I'm good enough to, you know, to, to compete. And, and that's where I get my competition, but no, between us now, no, we're, we're probably each other's greatest fans. Uh, you know, I'm so proud of what he's been able to do. He won the FIBA championship in Europe this year, the third, basically big wow. cup with a mid range team in, in Israel. Um, he won the Israeli championship a couple of years back, beat Maccabi Tel Aviv, which no one beats. Oh, Maccabi, Tel yeah. Aviv. You know, he's, yeah, uh, he's coached the Kosovo national team. He's obviously, you know, he worked in the NBA. And so, and now he's, he took over a team in the middle of the, the summer, uh, you know, the Guanabo Mets owned by a couple of guys from Long Island, actually. And wow. uh, they were like four and seven. He's coached them into the, the championship round, the last championship round and you're down Oh two, but, you know, they have a shot. That's great. Coach, I got to ask you, because when you got recruited for college, your college coach was my high school coach's mentor. We would go to basketball camp in summertime at Fairly <laughs> because of Coach LaValle. So talk a little bit about how that occurred for you. Coach LaValle, you know, I always wanted a coach. And, um, you know, it kind of came down to some bizarre. It came down to Penn State and Fairly Dickinson, who I affectionately call Harvard on Hackensack. And Coach Lowe was, look, he, you know, you think about the great defensive minds in the history of the game, you know, obviously Coach Iba, Coach Lababo, are right side by side. I mean, he was UB Brown's high school coach. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. He was assistant coach at St. John's after that, uh, a mentor yes, to Coach Parnaseca. Um, and, uh, you know, Coach Lowe was, uh, you know, to me, for what I wanted to do, uh, it was a perfect, not too far away from home, two hours away from home. My parents were getting divorced at the time. It was, it was, it was good for that. And then, you know, to play for him and learn from him, uh, was really, really important. Uh, although I, my favorite coach Lowe story, and I got so many of them, the podcast isn't long enough, but my first practice, 
I come walking in and I'm, you know, I love the game. I, I get lost in the game. I get lost in everything about the game here. You know, I don't care. Fairly Dickinson. We were everyone's guarantee game. I mean, so there's 15 chairs right across the free throw line. And the assistant coach would come and Dick Wiseman comes, tells us to sit down. I'm like, I'm ready to go, man. I mean, sit down. Let's go. Let's get some shots up. Let's... So we sit down and we wait, we wait, we wait. Finally, Coach Lababa comes walking down. And uh, Coach Lowe, he had like one strand of hair. He wrapped it around yes. his head about 4,000 yeah, times. He scratch his head. The whole thing would go up and down. Yeah. Uh, he, he had did. real skinny legs. He never wore shorts, but he wore these maroon pants to practice every day. And when he walked, it looked like he had no legs because, you know, they were like, loose and he'd always be chewing on a cigar so he walks in and walks in front of us he's walking back and forth must have walked back and forth five ten times and like we're sitting there going oh and we didn't add these white shorts on i mean it was like the, the practice short. and he goes hey i'm your coach Allo. i want you to like me not to love me because loving leads to screwing and no one screws with alababa and he didn't say screw it <laughs> And uh, that was my first practice as a college player. And that was, that was it. And he was, uh, he was a different guy, but you know, when I got into coaching or became a head coach, uh, you know, we, we stayed in touch until uh, obviously right till the end when he passed and he would, you know, if we didn't, if we didn't play good defensively, like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm my first year at, at Long Beach state or with South Florida, or even, you know, in my good Virginia tech teams, like, He'd call and go, you going to guard anyone? <laughs> I mean, he would call and like rip me. Like, <laughs> I mean, like coach, I'll, I'm trying to get him to guard now. I promise you. But uh, he was a great teacher, really good teacher and, and impacted so many high school coaches throughout the state of New Jersey. Yeah. So I got so, one, one go thing ahead, I got to say though, no beeps there, coach. You did good, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, he was a good man. He was a good man. Go ahead, Chuck. So how did you wind up then uh, in the co coaching uh, at, at Pitt and five star. the other place? That's it's the only thing really I ever wanted to do. I went to five-star. Uh, Brad Brad going into his senior year, Brad's junior year, they played against Beaver Smith, Southside High School, yep. in, the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the in the in the Nassau County Championships. And Brad had about 40 in the game. I mean, he was like a joke. He, he, I mean, he was shooting from like what's now logo range. And it was a great game. Garf was at the game. Uh, it was Dave Lucy, Lucy Beaver, um, Sisti, Jerry Sisti, uh, the big, he, he was their powerful. Anyway, Brad is monster game. I was in ninth grade, but I, I was brought up for the varsity for that game. And, you know, kind of, I was actually Dave Lucy in practice. So I was just firing stuff. It was great. Uh, and Brad, we lose the game, but, but Brad has this monster game and here's this bespectacled guy with a big nose, you know, coming over and, uh, and to see us and uh, you know, he goes, I'm Howard Garfinkel. I'm going to make you a star. You know, just talking to my brother you got to come to camp. Well, uh, Brad came to camp. I came to camp and then, you know, that's where it really all started. I mean, Gar Howie Garfinkel back in that day built a bridge for so many of us to cross, whether it was as players or with yeah. his kid to get into coaching, whether it was yep. Rick Pitino, John Calipari, myself, Ronnie Rothstein, Brendan Sir, Mike Fratello, UB Brown. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Uh, and literally that first year sitting there, listening to UB Brown, uh, sitting on the outdoor courts at, at five-star I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, me I'm mesmerized. And I literally, from that day forward, I said, I want to, I want to do that. And, uh, that was what kind of 
got me wanting to seeing coach B come visit my dad. And I, you know, I didn't know it was going to end up coaching the A's. I, you know, I didn't coach for money. I didn't coach to get in the ACC. I just wanted to coach. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had, you know, I had no idea. And, uh, my, my senior year of college, I graduated before I graduated, Tom Penders got the Fordham job and he was, he asked yeah. me to be a, uh, uh, like a graduate assistant. And then two weeks later, buddy Mahar got the Columbia job that Tom left. And he and Tom were in this little competition and I get a call and he goes, uh, I want you to be my assistant coach and coach JV team. I was 21 years old and it was through five-star. It was through five-star. And then that led to Pitt that led to Virginia that led to Miami. And, you know, before obviously the big East and, and my coaching career. You know, it's funny. You mentioned um, coach Brown as being a big influence because we had a show all about five-star and we had, uh, Mike Fatello on with us, and Pete, Pete Gillen and Mitch Bonaguro. Oh. And uh, those guys, those guys all talked about Garf. And of course, Garf got into the Hall of Fame this year. Yes. Um, it's great. Well stuff. deserved. You know, the, the impact that that guy's had on the game of basketball oh. is, is in, in, incredible, right, coach? I mean, he's got oh. Hall of Fame coaches, Hall of Fame players. He's all these guys. I coached Pat Ewing at five star. Did you? Yeah, I was there. I was there at Five Star in Pittsburgh when Jordan, uh, you know, great story about Michael Jordan is I'm at Five Star. I'm, I'm uh, Dave Odom comes up to me. I'm, I'm uh, assistant at Miami at the time. He goes, Berg, there's a guy coming to camp. No one knows who he is. He's unbelievable. I'm going, uh, Dave, I mean, like I was here. I was a player at Five Star when Moses Malone was there. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, so, I mean, I've seen them all, you know, Michael Corrin, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Mark Aguirre. I'd see, you know, every great player that, you know, you know, you know, John Sally was discovered at five-star. I mean, you know, Pitney, you name them all. And uh, I go, how good can he be? So he goes, be on court three for tryouts. I couldn't be a court three because I was signed to another court. Anyway, the best player in the country that year was a guy named Joe, Joe Ward, best high school player. He was supposed to, you know, really, really good. Ended up going to Georgia. First game is Joe Ward against Jordan. Jordan and five-star, the best players played the second and fourth quarter. The secondary players played the first and third quarter. And then there was a horse that could play at least three quarters. I think Jordan had like 46. Joe Ward never recovered. I mean, but that was five-star. I mean, that was where you would go to, you know, get discovered. For us that wanted to coach, that was, that was the best. That was being at a coaching clinic every day. You know, to be able to teach a station and get critique, to be able to listen to the great speakers, to be able to ask questions, you know, in Honesdale in the beginning of the summer, the end of summer, uh, to be able to sit in the back of a place called the Fireside where everyone went down to eat because the food was absolutely freaking horrific. Uh, you could listen to these, you know, like all of the young guys were like behind, way behind. You'd see me and Cal Perry and my brother and you know, Pete Gill and all, and they'd be listening to all these, you know, Chuck Daly and UB Brown and all these great coaches. And you were like a fly in the wall, just getting a lesson every single night. And it's Garf and Willie Klein. And, uh, you know, I say it all the time, the greatest bridge that's ever been built, uh, you know, for my, in my life, I've had two people impact my, besides my parents impact my life. And uh, that's been obviously the opportunity to be part of the five-star family. And then Terry Holland hiring me after I left Pitt. Um, who after that point, I never made a major decision in my life without consulting coach Holland, including asking my wife to marry me. And every time I changed jobs, when I went from, you know, when I went from Miami to Long Beach to become the associate head coach, when I, when I decided to leave Long Beach, to go to South Florida, when, when, when I was going for, 
you know, the Virginia Tech job, even to the point where Coach Holland, when we had we had Duke beat my second time there at Duke, we beat him the third time at Duke, but uh, we go up one with 1.6 seconds, and they put a couple of seconds on the clock, and they threw it a three-pointer at the buzzer to beat us. Well, there's a voicemail on my on my phone. Coach Holland's watching the game. He thinks we have the game won, so he calls my phone to leave a message going, Berg, it's unbelievable. Second trip to Cameron. What a win. Oh, no, because the ball, <laughs> Dockery just made the shot that beat us. But uh, Coach Holland was an amazing guy. But five-star was, five-star changed my life. Uh, the, it, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, like you told about Mitch, and I know you you were playing when Mitch was on the staff, right? Yeah, Mitch recruited me. Mitch was my guy. Rolly, Rolly, you can't believe it, Chuck. He's, he, he can rebound, put him in a trunk. Rolly, Rolly's unbelievable. You know, <laughs> use your hands as antennae, Rolly. <laughs> that's pretty good i have to say that's, good. that's pretty good it's good that's so you're, good. you're right now you're definitely our top two impressionist by yeah far. you're our, you're in our top two for sure you're, you're above yeah. billis so when you work with billis again tell him that we give you yeah you beat out billis beat well, billis uh, states his opinion like it's it's a fact it's unbelievable <laughs> it's the only guy that like he thinks like anything that anyone says uh, don't be so silly <laughs> i'm not being silly that's my opinion uh, Jay, we might have a different opinion because we look at things through a different prism, but uh, Jay's been great. My daughter works actually for his law firm in Charlotte. Oh, really? Great. That's yeah. great. So, so let's talk talk about your trip and your journey. So you were at Columbia. Did you go from Columbia to Pitt? How did yeah. you get to Pitt? Yeah, I, I, uh, Roy Chipman got the Pitt job. Um, yep. I was in my second year at Columbia. I worked at Columbia with the great uh, Kenny Williamson, who ended up with a really amazing NBA career. Uh, scouting and in personnel, but the egg man who started at Riverside church, Riverside uh, church. Kept, yeah. He, he oversaw the program for Ernie Larch of Riverside church and, uh, and who was just an amazing, amazing guy. Uh, love him to death. But uh, when Roy Chipman got the job, he reached out to Garf and said, I, I you know, you know, I, I need a young assistant and um, who can go and connect with kids and, uh, and coach because, you know, at that time we were in the Atlantic 10, and uh, literally, uh, I interviewed over the phone for about 30 minutes. And the next thing I know, I was in Pittsburgh. And uh, fortunately, a relationship I had through Five Star. Uh, I actually, I was working at Columbia, but I, I did a lot of the individual instruction at Five Star. Uh, and, and one of the guys that took a liking to me was a guy named Clive Vaughn, who was one of the best high school players in the country. I was not recruiting Clyde for for columbia but he was so passionate loved the game and played so hard like like every night we'd work on handles we'd work on coming off screens i mean we just developed this unbelievable relationship and then when i got the pit job i started thinking who you know who can we try to recruit we got the job late and i called up lenny mecca his high school coach just to you know kind of see what was going on and lenny mecca said to me he said we were just talking about you clyde wants to come play for you he visited pit and it was over yeah, he was going to go to the. He park. talks. He talks about it. He he thinks. I mean, very fondly of you and everything you've done. And he 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 felt the connection to you. It's plain and simple. You yeah, know, he's it, he's like my son. My my daughters love him. My wife love. Him. I mean, Clyde is you know, and that's how he. I hired him as an assistant coach at Long Beach State after he finished his playing career and hurt his back. And yeah, Mama Licious. Yep, Mama Licious. That's my guy. He's the that's best. Him. He's the best. No, he, the best human being I've ever been around. It's fu it's funny, Coach, because you you sometimes as a player you get these guys that you just connect with, and it might not necessarily be the head coach. You know, yeah. at, at Syracuse, 
Bernie Fine was that guy for a lot yeah. of the players, you know, yeah, Bernie at Pittsburgh and some of the schools you were at, you were that guy. So talk about how important it is to have that relationship. So now if things aren't going well for a particular player, they know that they can talk to you about things without necessarily, I mean, obviously you have to do your job, but you can go back and, and talk to the head coach, but they know they feel a lot more comfortable talking to you about things than the head coach at times. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, you got to say when I was a pit, I was 23 years old. Yeah. So you were, you right I mean, I mean and, and I was, and I was the guy that was in the gym doing all the individual workouts. So I was sweating with him. I mean, at yeah. 23, I mean, I would armbar him and guard him. I, I was shagging balls for him. I mean, we were in there all hours a day, but you know, I always told him, I said, you know, to me, I called it straight talk. I said, I'm always going to be straight with you. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the truth and what you need to hear. Almost like, you know, my parents did. It's part of parenting. You know, I'm going to tell you the truth because the, you know, the truth is what can help you in a big picture. And I never load my standard in terms of demanding of my guys, but I also was empathetic because I was a player that maybe I had some tough times. I played for a really hard coach that was really tough on me. Yeah. Uh, that I would, I could separate that from, Hey, come on over to the apartment. Like, you know, I'll bring in a couple of pizzas. We'll watch, you know, we'll watch TV or, Hey, let's go in the gym. And you know what? We're not shooting today. Let's just sit here and like hang out or meet me at, you know, place right down in Oakland. There was, there was two little like hole in the wall burger places. I said, meet me at, you know, so-and-so and, you know, whether it's the dirty O or whatever it was, or, 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 or Charlie and Barney's. And I said, let's have a, you know, let's grab a burger and, and, and sit and just talk. And, uh, you know, relationship I had with the guys to me, that's what, why I got into coaching to impact someone's life, to help someone get somewhere they couldn't get themselves to have a positive influence on, on someone. And like my former guys, they want me to get back in coaching. You know, I'm 65 now I've been out for 10 years there, you know, I don't know. They all want a job or whatever. Like I got a big weekend this week and I can't be there. My daughter's going to represent our family. Jamon Gordon to play for me at Virginia Tech's going into the Virginia Tech Hall of Fame. I mean, I was literally just sent him like I talked to him the other day and I just sent him this long text message. I started crying while I'm typing the damn thing because I'm yeah. so proud of him. Happy because he's he's become a Hall of Fame father, grandson, son, community member. I mean, that's what you get into it. But yeah, just you guys know, I mean, you know, you got to love your players. And, you know, uh, I didn't like, I say it again. I, I, I had no idea. I, every job I ever had, including my first contract at Virginia tech, I never asked how much money I was going to make. Like I had no idea what Columbia was paying me. I had no idea what South Florida was going to pay me. I had no idea what Long Beach. I literally, I never had an agent. I never had a coaching agent. Like it was stupidity. It's stupidity. It cost me. A little bit, it cost me in the end, but that it wasn't that wasn't what I was about. What I was about is I loved being in the gym. I loved help. I loved the game. I loved I loved the relationships. Uh, I know you had Andre on and, and Keith on. I mean, I still remember going to Andre's house and, and his mom and his brother actually came to play for a little bit at, at, at Long Beach. And uh, Andre being so worried that he wanted to walk me back down to the car from the home visit. <laughs> And that relationship never changed. It never changed. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, to me, that's what it's all about. I mean, if, if, you know, we did, we did a big zoom call uh, when, when everything broke out last year with the pandemic and everything was going on in the world with, I had, we had the first player ever recruited at at Columbia, Darren Burnett to the last player ever recruited at Virginia tech. We had about 75 guys on it. And it was a, it was a really cool thing. And that, and that to me was, uh, 
that's what it, that's what it's all about. I mean, it doesn't end when guys stop, you know, stop playing. It's that's when your your relationship changes with your players, but it doesn't end. Right. The ball, yeah. you know, listen, the ball stops for everybody, coach. Right. And yeah. then, you know, the basketball part of the relationship is about that much, really. And yeah. then it's everything else, you know. Yeah. And, and that's the way it was with, with Coach Mass, as you know. You've been around. Oh, it's the best. Program, you know? And that's the way it is with Jay. Jay's not that's the way it is I mean, with Jay, Jay's, right? Jay's, I mean, Clooney's unbelievable. <laughs> Clooney. <laughs> yeah, he is. And he, and he, you know, he's so good to all of it's us, amazing. as you know, it's being amazing. around a lot, you know. So, so we talked a little bit about Five Star, okay? And back then, when you were coaching at Pitt, t- tell us some stories about the recruiting trail. Because, you know, Andre said this. Clyde said this as well. Every time you turned around, you were there. I mean, I guess it was because of your age. You were, you were, you were hot to trot. You were, you were all over the place. I mean, I'd play in Smithtown and see you in the gym and then turn around and somebody's calling me about, oh, you, you know, Coach Greenberg was here to see me play. Or Ron Stewart said you were over here. Yeah, I tried to, I, here. I gave a run at Ron Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I just, in my little uh, yellow Toyota Corolla, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, it was, um, I don't know. I mean, to me, it, it was never a job. I mean, it was, it was a passion. It was something I loved. I loved getting to see the players, getting to know their families, getting to, you know, I, I, you know, I was places, you know, guys didn't dream about going to pit back then you had to develop real relationships. Uh, you know, I mean, I developed a good relationship with, with, with Andre's high school coach. I think, you know, uh, that helped me. Uh, and being where I could tell the guys, you know, talk to them straight. I mean, I think that's the big thing. Uh, if just, you know, just be, look, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to stand beside you. I'm going to help you get where you want to go, but I'm also going to hold you accountable. And, you know, I mean, I think that was, I, I think too many times in recruiting, I, you know, I liked recruiting, I mean, but too many times recruiting you guys spend all their time trying to think of what guys wanted to hear. And I, you know, a lot of times I didn't even talk about basketball. I talk about, you know, how I could help them their games. I was so, I guess, confident because of the five-star background, I could get in the gym and, and, and develop someone. But I mean, you know, to me it was, I got to know everyone in their family. I got to earn the trust of, you know, because I was around, you know, back then you've got to remember now, back then there wasn't a recruiting calendar. Right. So I was right. on the road and I had, I had no family. So I was on the road from the first week of the first five-star in Hornsdale to the end, which was Labor Day, which was the last week of five star. And I just got and I would just drive. If I went to New York, yeah, I might see a game, you know, a citywide game, then I might drive to 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 see, you know, a game at Hickey Field. I might go out of you know out to, to Suffolk County, then I might drive into Baltimore. I mean, to you know, to see the Do- Dozier twins or someone. I mean, right. It just it didn't uh didn't impact me. Although I did learn a lot of things like uh my two greatest recruiting lessons were my <clears throat> My first uh, recruiting trip, I'm at, I'm at Columbia and I'm going to go to, uh, to recruit California. And I got my plane ticket. Unfortunately, I didn't have a credit card, nor did I have enough money to pay, nor did I have enough money to uh, pay for my rental cars or my hotels. So I'm literally sending letters, getting letters and carrying letters with me, which is amazing. They accepted them at all these like you know, hole in the wall hotels that the Columbia business office was going to pay the bill, uh, which was, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty crazy. Or like I'm a, I'm a gaucho gym one time with PJ Carlissimo when he's at Wagner as the head coach and yeah. PJ decides that we're going to, you know what, we're 
practice is over and it was the day of the dap, uh, not the day of the, uh, of the McDonald's game. And it was in Philly and PJ turns to me goes, we should go to, we should go to the McDonald's game. It's in Philly. Let's drive down there. I said, you want to drive? He's no, I'll drive. I'll drive. So we get in PJ's car. I leave my car on, uh, uh, right on 125th, right by where I lived. I lived on 125th Riverside. We drive into Philly and he thought I had money. He's a head coach. I thought I had like $15 in my pocket. He had less. We didn't even have enough money for the tolls. We don't get into the game unless we see Mitch Bonagura, who, who, who lent us 40 bucks to get a ticket and gave us enough money to get back to pay the tolls coming back on, on the New Jersey Turnpike. So, I mean, you know, but my, the recruiting to me was uh, everything's about relationships. And, coach and, and coach, B, coach B talked a little bit about PJ on the golf course, said you're never going to oh. collect the money from him. No, 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 no. Well, he, well uh, Jim, I mean, like uh, Jim would torture PJ. I mean, he would torture him and, you know, and PJ would just, you know, say crazy stuff. But uh, Jim would, Jim would just absolutely, I mean, those two guys back in like my, I only went to one Big East meeting. You know, when, when we went from the, uh, you know, left and, and went into the Big East, the one year that I was there, we were in the Big East. Before we went to the ACC, I went to one Big East meeting and, and it was the crazy, like it was about back in those days, it like guys would compete like hell and get after, but away from it, the relationships, especially in league meetings were hilarious. Like the funniest thing that ever happened in a league meeting, my one league meeting, Jay Wright was the nicest human being in the world. We know that Jim Calhoun and, and Gino do not get along. They don't get along. All right. So a big part of the, in Ponte Vedra was we'd go play Sawgrass. Well, it, the foursome was me, Jay, Gino and some and uh, Jim and somehow Gino got in a foursome. Well, I was supposed to be driving with Gino and Jim was supposed to be driving with Jay. We get there first. I drive over to the course with Jay and Jay, you know, the George Clooney, whoever, you know, like doesn't realize he goes, oh, we got to do this. He switches the cards. He puts Gino with Calhoun for four hours in the same car. And I'm driving with Jay and the whole round. All Jay's going is, you imagine the conversation in that cart right now. Those guys, they are pissed. They don't want to even see each other. You have to be stuck in the same golf cart together for four hours. But, you know, I mean, it, the, the Big East was a, it, it, was, it was great because it was fiercely competitive. It was good relationships with the coaches. The, the post-game meal, remember, you guys, were you guys playing in the league when, when the post-game meal was supposed to be the two teams together? Or were you guys going to – when the league yeah, first started – Dave yeah, Gavin no. wanted to have after every game, the two teams would have a meal together, post-game meal together, and then the visiting team would leave. But after there was like a fight in the first like four games of the year, <laughs> that kind of went out the window. We, we had a hospitality room in the Dome. And I will tell you this, Coach, because when Pitt joined the Big East, there was a huge sigh of relief. I think the Dome, I think the air in the Dome almost deflated because we just, we were so happy because we were, we were being talked about of a football conference with Pitt, Penn State, Syracuse. And when Pittsburgh came into the Big East, it was like, that talk is over now. So that, and I remember walking into the, um, to the hospitality room and a guy, Leo Eisner came in and made that announcement. It was one of my happiest days as a collegian at Syracuse. I could tell you that. Yeah. I mean, Pitt coming into the league, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, all the time I, I never had Jim when I was assistant coach, you guys came in with Leo and we actually won a game. Uh, we had a great 
our first year in yes, the East, we, we had a stretch where we'd be Georgetown, Syracuse with Routens and St. John's with Mullen in three games, which was an amazing, amazing thing. But I was uh, on the I, floor of that loss. I remember that game. Yeah. But I, but hey, one of the great things about going to Syracuse, Harry Tisvani, right at the end of your bench. That's right, Harry, my man, Harry. Harry, Harry was the best. <laughs> Harry was the best. But Bayheim, and, and when when we went into the uh, Big East, uh, uh, when I was at Virginia Tech, do you know that he never in in the tenure in the Big East, he never had a Syracuse team visit Virginia Tech for a game. Really? How's that one for you? And then when we went to the ACC. I, I obviously he, that that has changed, but like uh, we were always at Syracuse. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, like dinosaur barbecue is not that good that you have to go there every year. <laughs> it's well overrated, especially in the wintertime. It's pretty good in the summer. <laughs> yeah, but in the winter, it yeah. was <laughs> stay at the Sheridan and walk over to the dome. Not yeah, right. Yeah. So so now you, you make your way through. You know, now you become a head coach. You know, Long Beach State. You had a pretty good run there for a little bit, and then. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, how did that, how did that, I mean, talk about the transition from being an assistant to being a head coach. Do you still maintain the relationships the way you did as an assistant coach, or is it a little different now because you're the boss at this point? Yeah, it's a little bit different, but it's something I prided myself on and spending time with the guys. I mean, you know, when Long Beach State, I was the associate head coach, became the head coach. That first year was hard. Uh, yeah. It was hard because you had to say no. Uh, after that, I mean, I had really good players. I had Lucius Harrison, Brian Russell, and James Cotton. I mean, I had really good players at Long Beach State, and uh, and we had something going really well. I mean, I mean, you know, we had it going. Uh, probably was a mistake. I, I always, my wife was a UCLA grad. She always thinks if we stayed at Long Beach. I turned on USC one year. She said, "You know what? We we're going to have another good year. We might end up at UCLA, which obviously would have been her dream thing." But uh, yeah, it changed a little bit. Uh, no meant no. Uh, in the end, it couldn't. It wasn't another guy that maybe was giving someone bad, in, you know, bad uh, information in terms of playing time or a role or whatever. I worked really, really hard at it. Uh, I think, like any other head coach, though, I think that some guys understood it, some guys didn't, some guys liked it, some guys were, you know were angry, uh, not angry, but disappointed. Uh, but I really pride myself on, you know, taking basketball. Like I always say, let's take basketball out of the equation. All right. Am I doing the right things? Am I going to hold you accountable to go to school every day? Am I going to make sure that you understood what, you know, what being a young, good young person is and decision-making and, uh, gaining an education and, and learning right from wrong. And, 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 you know, I, I was really big on that. Like, I, one of the biggest things, and, and you know, because you played in a similar program, like, we, like you want to help your guys become good husbands and good fathers right. and, and be successful in life. And, you know, those things never change. Like my wife and I, we used to always have people, the guys over the house. And like, you know, a big thing was a lot of my guys that played for us came from single parent families. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see them to see how you treat your daughter, how you treat your wife. We very rarely talk basketball. You know, we would sit down and have dinner at, the, at our dinner table or we would go downstairs and watch a movie or, you know, and I, you know, I was really big on including my my girls and everything we did. So uh, but, yeah, you, your relationship changes to an extent. Uh, like I always joke with, you know, some of our guys that, you know, you know, it's like anything else, like you guys were players. So, you know, that like I had this backward, Jamal Gordon, Zabe, now they were two great players of Virginia Tech. They were terrific. 
All right. Uh, they helped us win at Duke, win at Carolina, go to the NCAA tournament, win a game, beat three number one, two, two number one teams. I mean, they were just, they were great. But like when you would sit with them after their senior year, you know, Jamal would come and say, hey, coach, I, I know Zabe was your favorite. You know, you, 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 you always yelling at me, you know, but Zabe, you know, Zabe could do no wrong. And then you'd sit down with Zabe and you go, Zabe, I know you love, you, you know, you love Jamal because Jamal was the best defense player in the ACC. And you love defense. And, you know, I play defense too, but I didn't play defense like Jamal. So, you know, you always get on me about my defense and, you know, Jamal, he could do no wrong. And so then I brought him, I had them both over the house, like their senior year. And I said, you two guys are idiots. I said, I, and I said, tell me what you said about me and Jamal. And, and, and we just laughed. I mean, it was, it was great, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the role, yeah. I mean, your role changes. There's no doubt about it, but your love doesn't change and your concern. And uh, look, I, I, I'm paid to win games. And then I have a responsibility to help my players get somewhere. They couldn't get themselves achieve academically, prepare themselves to be employable, uh, prepare themselves to have a chance to have a, a, a better life. And, uh, you know, I took those things seriously. And like, I, I tell people all the time, the, the most, upset I've ever gotten at a player had nothing to do with basketball. It had to do with either they made a bad decision or they were irresponsible in something that it's easy to be responsible, get to class on time, make it to your tutor, talk to someone, the people in the cafeteria would respect, um, look someone in the eye. When we have our tip off banquet, meet as many people as you can because I think that's the biggest thing we've got. Everyone talks about the NIL. The NIL, like, Jay has the right idea. NIL should be an opportunity for players to meet people that can become mentors to help them the rest of their lives. It should teach them about entrepreneurship. It should teach them about the networking you need so that you have an army of people behind you and beside you that can help you grow. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it changes, but, you know, I try, I work really, really hard at, at staying in touch with, with, with my guys the best I can, you know, and vice coach, versa. Like, I mean, you know, I like you had Andre and, and Keith, like both of those guys were on, on the thing. And, you know, like Andre out of the blue will, you know, check in every once in a while. Uh, you know, Keith, I, I go back and forth with Keith. He, you know, he was living in North Carolina, so he'd come to some of our games and, you know, I mean, you know, all those guys, Clyde is, if there's a video in the back of Mamalicious, did you guys do Clyde? Did you do something yeah. with Clyde? Yeah, yeah, yeah we had the, Clyde on. You know, the video behind Mamalicious, there's a dog, which is Jake, and a husband and a wife waiting in line. That's me and Karen. <laughs> yeah. That's so I mean, great, Clyde, Clyde legitimately is. If you asked my girls, uh, they would say Clyde is their their oldest brother. They, oh, I mean, yeah, they love Clyde Vaughn. As do I. So, Coach, uh, I you you just described the entrepreneurial. So you just described Charles Smith in in, in in almost a nutshell what he did in the pros. But I, I got to ask you a question because I saw something. That not everybody's going to see this on the video. They're going to a lot of them will listen to it on the podcast, and I'm sure they heard it in your voice when you mentioned Coach Terry Holland. Mm -hmm. There's 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 something special there. So just talk a little bit about your relationship and, and what he has done for you and what he means to you. He means everything. He saved my career. I mean, when I got let go at Pitt, uh, and I don't want to get into that, but when I got let go in Pitt, uh, you know, he, Dave Odom and Terry Holland reached out to me and um, 
offered me an opportunity to be a graduate assistant. So I went from a full-time assistant uh, at Pitt. I think I thought I did a really good job um, doing things the right way mm-hmm. to, uh, to, you know, and you did. Being, you being, did being the last guy in the totem pole. And he included me in absolutely everything they did. And uh, when, when the first, when it, when it, when it first came out, in fact, the, the athletic director at that time was like a little wary of it. And Terry just stood up and said, Seth Greenberg's my guy. And I did everything with him. When I was there, we'd go running every single day. I'd sit on every meeting. Uh, he had, he had me over the house. I mean, I joke around, Gino RM, it was the women's assistant. I was, I was like, you know, the fourth men's assistant with Jeff Jones and, uh, Jim Laranagan, Dave Odom, uh, you know, it was an amazing staff. We'd play cards. And I, I, I say this, this day, coach Holland would make sure at the end of the day that I would win. So that I'd have some money to, you know, to, to live on, but he was, um, the most influential, uh, person in my life from that point forward. And I literally, you know, I love him and love Ann. Um, I literally did not make one decision in my life. I mean, I was on the phone with him at three o'clock in the morning when I, when I, when I was leaving Miami to go to the decide whether I was going to take the Long Beach state job, I was, I was really confused. And, uh, you know, three o'clock in the morning, we talked for an hour and he talked me through the whole thing. When I was dating my wife in Miami, Dave Odom and, and coach Holland were, uh, vacation in the keys he called me up he goes berg we're, we're here in ocean reef uh someone gave us a house to stand you know come on come on down for the weekend so i said can i bring someone he goes yeah so i bring karen down this is uh, we were dating for i don't know probably a month and a half two months and we went for a run and david and david and i did and terry did stuff and karen uh who had no, no idea of this crazy coaching business ended up with Lynn Odom and Ann Holland and, and her driving around ocean reef, which is an amazing place. And they're, they're like, Oh, you sure you want to get into this coaching thing? This is, you know, this is not all that it's cracked up to be the wives are saying that. And at the end of the visit, we're sitting at dinner at, at a restaurant in the keys and right in front of everyone, Terry and Ann stop and say, Berg, cause that's what they called me Berg. I don't want to embarrass you, Karen. She's the one true story and uh and you know i i'm a big believer and when i talk to businesses everyone needs a mentor and i could not have had a better mentor than coach holland well i think i think your point coach is so true that when you hit some of your challenges when that person will stick their will just stick by you yep and just say i believe in you it just never goes away so yeah, I never got, and you know, to his credit, and you know, again, to his credit, uh, before he passed, um, I got a call from Roy Chipman apologizing for putting me in a position that I had to, I, you know, he had to make, uh, I had to make a choice, and you know, I made my own choice, uh, and and you know, again, that was not, it was not easy, but uh, you know, it was, um, so I, you know, like I said, I, life's too short. You know, I try to, I try to really eliminate all negativity from my life these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and I have some of my closest friends still, Dave Marangoni was a dear, dear friend who actually was the officiated my oldest daughter's wedding just uh, this summer. I mean, I've got some great, great relationships. That's the great thing about coaching. You know, you, you, you know, you travel the world. I mean, travel, you know, I mean, think about the places we've been, we've taken our children and yeah. uh, the relationships 
that you have are, are yeah. most times there's a difference between a booster and a friend. Yeah. But when you have guys that are real friends, those relationships are rich and real. Coach, man, you love the game. You can hear it. It comes out of your pores. And you love your players. And we've heard it from them. You know, yeah. and, and we hear it from you. It's 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 real. It's it's authentic. It is just it's really refreshing. It's great to see. Yeah, really good. I mean, that that's like I that's a throwback to what what I was used to based on who I played for and everything. Sure, too. I mean, he's the he was that the best. That's the greatest. So, hey, so talk talk about a little bit, Coach. Now, I, I love listening to you on ESPN because. I like getting a coach's perspective on things yep. and, and you're stuff. authentic. You're, you're, you know, you know, you're not afraid to tell it like it is. It's not always popular, but you do a good job of defending your position on whatever it is you're talking about. Talk a little bit about, you know, how, you know, doing that, preparing um, for games now versus preparing as a coach and tell us some stories about some of the guys you've been working with at ESPN. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I approach it the same way I did when I was coaching. Look, I, I'm not going well. I, I am so, so fortunate. I don't take for granted anything that ESPN has offered me. I mean, in terms of the opportunity, I mean, I am I am so lucky and so blessed. And I mean, you think about it, I get let go at, at tech, totally a shock. I had no idea. Uh, was about to have Montres Harrell and, and Dorian Finney Smith and Adrell Eddy and Eric Reed, four guys who played in the NBA. And, uh, Really, really tough on my family. Obviously, you know, you think about it. I mean, I had two daughters that are graduated from Virginia Tech, uh, but um, ESPN and John Wildhack, who Syracuse athletic director, who guy now. saw something saw something in me. Uh, I came and worked uh, that NCAA tournament for ESPN for about seven or eight days. At the end of it, he said, "You always have a place here." I, I thought that was, sounded nice, but I didn't know it was real. Uh, but when I let go, uh, you know, he he stood by you know, what he said and, and gave me this incredible, incredible opportunity. And then Lee fitting and Mark Gross put me on game day. And you know, obviously that was even a, a greater experience, but uh, my preparation is no different. It sounds silly. And I spent all day today on, on my iPad watching synergy and breaking down games and looking at like today, I, I did four teams. I, I, I looked at Gonzaga. I looked at Texas. I looked at, you know, UCLA. I mean, those teams are going to be playing this week and I'm in the studio tomorrow night for the, and, and I'm about to do Villanova. Uh, cause you know, Villanova and Gonzaga are, uh, I'm UCLA's tomorrow night and I'm in the studio for that, but the preparation's the same. My relationships with the coaches really helps me. Cause I, you know, where everyone's going through an SID, I'm just picking up Jay and calling them, even though obviously Mike's the greatest guy in the world or, you yeah. know, Mick Cronin, I'm texting back and forth with him or Mark few. And so, I mean, because of what I did for 33 years, those were, I coached against these guys. You know, the relationships are, are real, but the preparation is no different. Like, and the only difference is like, right. I, mean, I can I show you. I mean, like this, this book right here is about 200 handwritten pages of breaking down about uh, probably 200 teams with players returning players lost key athletic style of play, what they might do differently. I mean, basically a scouting report on all these teams. Uh, I study that all summer. I go about three hours a day working on that. And then on this time of the year, what between watching film, you know, I just, this is what I, I am either on that treadmill walking Jake or watching film and breaking down, you know, creating some ideas for, for what I'm going to talk about. Uh, Cause I think that's the most important thing. But once the, I get into the studio, I put all that away because I don't want to be looking at something. I just want to, you know, I want like, like what you guys are doing in terms of making, I want people to be th feeling like they're in a bar and they're listening to me talk ball. 
Yep. You know what, coach? Old school paper and pen. I love it. I yeah, love I mean, it's it's just kind of the way you know, just the way it is. So, uh, you know, it's been great. I mean, you know, you know, Jay Will was like the little brother I never wanted when I worked with Jay Will on Monday and Tuesdays. I mean, he's, uh, yeah. you know, I tr- we we had a, the, a perfect a player. We had a perfect player coach relationship. You know, he looked at everything through the prism of two-time player of the year. I looked at it through a coach. We've had, you know, like we'd get, look at each other. I've had enough of you, but, but it, but it made for great TV and yeah. it was fun. And he, you know, I mean, I literally, I, I do look at him as like a little brother. I worry about him in this radio stuff he's doing now. Uh, he's got two, you know, a son and a daughter and great wife, Nikki. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, my, my, my girls always say, you know, like, you know, you treat Jay like the rest of your former you know, players. I mean, you, you know, you sit there and you're like, you'll sit at dinner and go, you know, I'm worried about Jay will. And, and you know, it's just, he's got a great, great heart. He's been through a lot. And uh, obviously he was going to, he would have had an incredible NBA career, uh, but it's a great lesson in decision-making and also rebounding from a decision. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jay's, he, he's a blast. Now I work more with Lafonso Ellis, who when you, if you're around Lafonso, you realize when you leave, you don't feel very good about yourself because he's the nicest human being in the world. And like, you can't be even close to not as nice as human being as he is. I mean, he's just an, he was a great player. He's an even better person works his tail off as genuine as anyone could be. Uh, you know, he's just, he's, he's a great dude. Reese Davis uh, is just plain flat. Brilliant. I mean, it's the only way to describe it. He's brilliant. Uh, he does our show and then the football, he does the football show with just little note cards with nothing, nothing scripted. He makes it look so easy. It's not that easy. And he transitions from the football national championship game, right into college game day in one week. It's crazy. And then, you know, Jay Billis and, you know, you know, who, you know, like I always joke, he states his opinion, like it's a fact, uh, he is the defender of all things anti NCAA. You know, we we agree on some things. We really disagree on some things. I think it's it's not as easy as he understands it to be. There's so much that goes on during the course of a day. There's so much that goes on that's bigger than coaching. There's a lot of coaching that goes on that's more between the ears. Yeah. Uh, but he, I mean, like if someone put a camera on our dinners the night before, it would be a great TV show. <laughs> because we we i mean it would be a great tv show uh and then when he, you know he gets really mad and, and you kind of make a good point but he doesn't agree with it he'll give you you're silly you're silly no I'm not silly that's my opinion jay you can have another opinion but that's my opinion uh and then the producers people don't understand the people that make it you know you got your guys you know daryl and your guys behind the scenes but the people that make our what we do, we have an easy job. We're talking ball. I mean, come on, if you, you know, if you love ball, you, what am I doing tonight? I'm going to watch Maryland play GW. I'm going to watch whatever games are on TV. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to get ready for the games tomorrow that I got, uh, I got to be in the studio for, but I mean, it's just talking ball, but like the producers, the directors, the people that deal with the programming, the, the researchers, all those people work so hard and all they want you to do is have a good show. It's like the greatest team in the world because literally, even in college, you know, you could, the football coach could be jealous of the basketball coach or the AD could be jealous that he's got to pay the head coach that much money. Like at ESPN, all they, everyone that surrounds you, all they want you to do is have a good show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's the most selfless group of people. Uh, 
so I've been, you know, we moved here to Avon, Connecticut, and uh, I didn't think it was going to be time to start my 10th year. I mean, I thought I'd be back in. I've had chances to get back in. It's just uh, being so careful after knowing what you put. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have had any similar, you know, what do you want to put your family through again? You know, I know the scars my, my girls had for me being let go. Uh, and even though they're all older and two of them are married and I have a granddaughter and my grandson on the way and a very successful Villanova grad and Syracuse grad and Jackie, uh, he's tied you just, in, man. You know, yep. you just don't, you just don't know, you know, if you want to put them through it again, on the other hand, like I almost took a job last year that would, would have brought me closer to the girls, but with the pandemic, it just wouldn't have been good for my wife's health. Cause she has some uh, medical uh, some respiratory issues, but, uh, you know, if it, it, it would have to be a really right situation, uh, but you know, look, I'm I'm 65, I'm in great shape, but 65 year old guy head coach is not exactly at a premium these days. Yeah. So, last question, coach, and we'll let you go. I know I know we're up against it a little bit. Give us give us a couple of teams that you think will make some noise that could really make some noise in the tournament. Give us a few nuggets. Uh, a few nuggets. All right. Uh, I think don't devalue Illinois. Illinois has a chance. They return. You know, everyone talks about losing Io Sumo, but they return four really good players. Uh, I mean, you know, with a, a unique player in Kofi Coburn, uh, you know, who's ridiculous. Andre Cabrera will have a monster, monster season. I think that, you know, they're undervalued. I'll go, I'll take one from a couple of different leagues. Uh, I think in the SEC, watch out for Auburn. Uh, they have a big kid, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, obviously the kid from North Carolina. They could have the best front court in the country in, in the SEC. Uh, their guard play is going to be pretty good. They have three transfers at the guard position. Wendell Green, who is a, just a dynamic scorer. But they have two really tough guards. Uh, the Johnson kid who transferred from Georgia is just a physical guard. Reminds me a little bit of the Brown guy that they had that went to the Final Four. And again, Zepp Jesper is a, a transfer from College of Charleston. I think they'll be really, really good. I mean, just I think they'll be a lot better than people think. I think Kentucky's going to be terrific, by the way. Uh, I really do. I think Kentucky's going to be just fine. Uh, Sabir yeah. Will gets a, he's a kind of a bucket creator. Those you know, Oscar Shebway's a joke. I, I mean, like he pursues every stinking rebound. It's just it's crazy how he pursues the basketball. Uh, it's second. It's it, it's really it's really unbelievable. Coach Cal can coach. He can flat out coach. He can really coach. And that's the thing that people don't understand. John's such a good dude. And, and, you know, like he is all caught up in it. I mean, he just, he lives it, he eats it, he breathes it. I mean, he's, he really is, uh, he's an amazing guy. Uh, I think Oregon has a chance to be really good. I mean, obviously they got your guy, Quincy Guerriere, who I think, you know, personally, in terms of his game, I think he made a mistake because he's going to end up playing five there. You know, he, he wanted to play three. I think he's going to end up playing five. But Will Richardson, their point guard, they had Chris Duarte leave. And this guy, Will Richardson, is really good. They got Jacob Young, the kid who transferred from Rutgers, who can score it some. Obviously, Quincy is a very, very good player. And David Harmon, a kid transferred from uh, Oklahoma. He has a great way of kind of mixing, matching guys. You know, UCLA is the best team in that league. Uh, there's no doubt about it. UCLA, to me, I think UCLA – beats Villanova. Sorry, Chuck, but I just think okay. that they just, they have too much experience back. You don't replace Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And I, you know, I saw Dixon played really well the other night and I saw yeah. that you know, uh, Brandon Slater had a really nice night. 
against uh, Mount St. Mary's. Uh, Nana Joku, he's not ready yet. I mean, yeah. just, you know, that playing for Jay, it, it, you people don't understand what a, he, their culture just, and I, I don't want to, their culture is unbelievable. Their identity and their culture is unbelievable. I was at practice the other day and uh, what's the freshman guard? Uh, um, Longino. Yeah. Longino. Yeah. And he gets in the lane and throws a one hand pass off the dribble. Jaden have anything. Colin Gillespie's right there going like, we don't do that. It was unbelievable. So the man, like come to a stop. Or put your eyes on the rim and make, you know, pivot, make a play. I mean, it was good. This, they, everything they do and they hang on every second and every word that Jay gives them. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful, I mean, and he's so, he coaches them really hard, but they, they, they love it and they appreciate it and they understand, you know, who can play for him and who can yeah. buy into him and, and the culture and the identity. I think that that's a point. Texas, it's interesting. I spent two days. I spoke to the Texas team the other day, and and, and Texas is a team that seven f- transfers. Uh, and watching their tape today, it's amazing how unselfish their ball movement, their space, and Chris Beard is really, really good. I I I still don't know if seven is just a lot, especially when you have Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones back, two guards that are going to fit in with Marcus Carr. Uh, I think that's going to be something that's going to be kind of uh, interesting to watch. I think the biggest challenger in the Big East is going to be UConn. Their front court is monstrous good and good. Too. Adama yeah. Sinogo is really, really good. Their guard play's got to be good. RJ Cole's got to be good. Uh, Gaffney's got to be good. Uh, I think that, that if their guard play plays at a high level, uh, Martin is a good three-man physical. Polly can make shots. I just think we're in for a – it's going to be a fun season, I think. Yeah, Purdue's it's good. It's good to have fans back. It was a lot. It was a lot better watching the games oh. uh, than it was last year. You know, oh. it, was, it was difficult to watch this coach. I mean, it, you it was know. a scrimmage. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Right? Yeah, the scrimmage. Yeah. You're scrimmaging in the dome. I mean, like that had to be an eerie <laughs> feeling. Yeah, that had to be. Crazy. You couldn't even talk place. to your players because they were all spread out. Like Beheim said, he lost some guy in the game. He was ready to put someone in. He said the guy was in the tunnel. On a bike, he lost them. He lost a player that was ready to put in the game in the middle of the game. And by Coach. the way, Syracuse is going to be the best shooting Syracuse team. I mean, I you know, I think Jimmy's going to help. I think I think Buddy and and you know, I I just don't know if they have a shot creator. But you know, Cole Swider and uh, did you guys negotiate? Did you guys negotiate that transfer? No. You know what? He's a great kid, Seth. I mean, you know, I. I know him since the day he walked in the door at, at Nova and he's really a great kid. It, unfortunately, you know, he was struggling with the way uh, the system was there for him, but I think this is a great fit uh, up at the dome with coach bait with coach B. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I, you know, look, I, I think if, if the kids didn't, you know, this is the oldest year in college basketball. I mean, with all these guys that got their fifth year back, if, you know, if mm-hmm. Jermaine went, went and graduated like he was able to do, uh, you know, he might've stayed, but, yeah. He was going to play behind Jermaine. I mean, that's just the way it was. Yep. So, I mean, he made, he made it, it, it was like Jason, I didn't want to lose him, but I understood him. And I supported him, which is, I think pretty cool. Yeah. Coach, I got to tell everybody we're recording this on veterans day. And, and I, I did take note that your father was a veteran and I want to, yeah. I want to, you know, Appreciate from that. our, from our group. Thank you very much for your father's service. So, yep. yeah, yeah. I, that, that picture is right behind my desk and, uh, Yep. It's a pretty cool picture. And, uh, 
you know, he Special. was on the on the Franklin that actually got hit, uh, but he survived. And, uh, you know, for everyone, I, I, I the last thing I'll tell you is I, I get a chance through ESPN the last five years to, to for usually this day, we do the Armed Forces Classic game. Yeah. So I've been to Ramsun Air Force Base where I go early and spend two days with the with the troops before we even do it. I propelled from buildings. I've flown on 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 uh, missions with uh, on a rescue mission. We we fought the, the the attack dogs. We flipped in Humvees and we did some. I rode in a tank. I mean, and I've done it the last five years. And you spend three or four days with the with the troops, eating with them, inter, interacting with them. You, you, it gives you an unbelievable appreciation of one, how young they are, uh, the sacrifices they make. And, and the one thing they say is it's not just like the, the soldiers, but their families. Like when I, like I always say, what's the best thing I could say to, you know, you know, uh, someone who's in service when I see him in the airport or he said, thank them. He said, but don't, don't hesitate to thank asked to thank their families for the sacrifices they make that allow them to do what they do. I, I, that just stuck with me at Ramstein. That just kind of, it stuck with me when, when, when they told me that, but uh, yeah, I'm real proud of my dad did no doubt about it. Well, what a great way to wrap it up for today. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. We had a great time uh, cutting it up with you today and talking about uh, your career and, and about your time in the big East with ESPN. It was, was a lot of fun. We hope you had fun uh, joining oh, us. A blast, guys. Appreciate you having me. Stay safe. And uh, Big East going to be a lot of fun this year. It's going to be a lot yeah, of fun. it's going to be great. Yeah. You've, been, you've been listening and watching the Big East Rewind with Chuck Everson and Sonny Spera. The Big East Rewind was produced and directed by Nick Chico Chorus and Daryl Gurney. If you need to contact us, you could reach us at BigEastRewind at gmail.com. We're on YouTube. Uh, go in and hit like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Everybody have a great night. We'll see you next time. Take care.